Hello, my name is Zachary Trailer, and you are listening to Morning Voice, a political journey. Episode number 15. Ballot access denied. Today we embark on a crucial discussion surrounding fair representation and the hurdles faced by independent candidates such as, such as myself in this political landscape. Today's episode is not just about a singular issue. It's about the systemic barriers that impede the democratic rights of individuals seeking to represent our community. I am one such candidate running for District 44 as an independent candidate. And just today I've encountered firsthand the obstacles ingrained within our electoral system. I was denied access to have my name on the ballot for the upcoming election. The reason? The elites do not like me and are afraid that I will buck the system and be a candidate truly for the people. The state has passed unconstitutional restrictive regulations that favor established parties and confine candidates to the uphill battle of they faced when thrown into the right-in abyss. This isn't just about me, but it reflects a broader struggle faced by candidates such as myself, and I want to tell my story. I want to tell my story just as I've told 13 others. 14 others. Today, I am the 15th story. Why? Because the system told me I'm not good enough. I don't fit into their boxes. How many times have we heard that? As a society, as a community, as humans, as people. Every day, someone is told they are not good enough, that they must fit into a box. Workers, when their jobs get shipped away by un-American policies in Raleigh and Washington, are told to learn to code by those pretentious elites in their ivory castles, living on investment and trust funds. These are farmers who had their livelihood stolen from them by Smithfield. They ruined our hog and chicken industry, commercializing it and commodifying a, a resource that is needed. I believe the fair market and the free market were best, but come the 70s, our farmers were destroyed. Maybe we should talk to the tradesmen, the ones who work some of the hardest, most gruesome hours of any worker in our society. And yet they are looked down upon because they have dirt on their hands, told that they didn't get a college education, so they should be relegated to the butts of jokes. Interesting when 70% of them are expected to retire in the next 10 years. Again, we are told that these boxes are made and that if you aren't within them, that you are to be discriminated, excluded, and used as a scapegoat to keep those on the fence from jumping. This issue in particular was a requirement imposed by the State Board of Elections that violated North Carolina's Article 2, Section 7, of the Constitution. It states that you shall either be registered with a party 
for 90 days prior to filing your candidacy. Or if you want to run an independent campaign, one for free thinkers and those open to new possibilities that have the potential to redefine politics, you must create a write-in apparatus in a state legislative election that in our that in North Carolina's history has never been done which is why I must be the first it is sad that I cannot be treated equally as my opponent and though it is not his fault as a elected representative I call on him to represent not just me but thousands of voters who stand behind me I am the I believe in the princeps model. I will be the model citizen. I won't be perfect, but I will stand up for what is right. This is not an isolated incident. It's emblematic of a larger problem within our electoral framework. A third party is seen as a throwaway vote, helping the lesser candidate. These are mindsets given to us by those who fear that they cannot win on pragmatism and ideology alone. But this setback is not a roadblock. It's a call to action. My campaign and I are committed to advocating for a system that represents the rights of all candidates and ensures equitable access to the electoral process. We refuse to be stifled by unjust regulations and restrictions. I call on the state board to rethink this illegal policy that violates my First Amendment right of speech, First Amendment right of organization, and First Amendment right to assembly. As we navigate this terrain, I am saddened to say I must now take them to court if I am not able to file on the 15th of December I will be making a motion and filing to have my name put on the ballot in North Carolina courts this legal action I do not take lightly but I also know I am in a privileged position to be able to fight for those who can't if a candidate if a person decides the day before they filing that they want to run, why should they be denied because they didn't make that decision 89 days prior? Together, we can break down these barriers and pave the way for a more inclusive and equitable political landscape. And I'm going to tell you how I plan to do this. One of my 10 points, one that I was passionate about thought we may be able to have other discussions before has turned into the cornerstone landmark of my campaign common sense electoral reform our electoral system used to be a shining beacon of democracy to many but has now been exploited from the inside causing structural divisions for self-serving interests. 
This is the same system that denied me my right to be on the ballot. My policy proposal advocates for electoral reform in North Carolina by transitioning to a multi-member district and, and implementing ranked choice voting. The adoption of these systems will offer increased representation, greater voter choice and voter turnout, enhanced proportionality, and a more accurate reflection of our diverse voting preferences rather than the gerrymandering that Raleigh has done in since time immemorial. I also plan to address voting access and civil rights issues, campaign finance reform, election security, and above all, as everything, good citizen governance. How will I do this? I, I propose a, transitioning to a three-member uh, three districts. They will be, instead of representing 84,000 voters as you are supposed to currently, you will instead have one district three times the size with the top three candidates moving on to represent us. That will prevent the gerrymandering that districts 44 and 43 are infamous for. Our city should have three highly contested races, close, maybe slightly leaning left or right by a percentage point or two. Instead, we have a moderately conservative, highly conservative, and highly liberal district. It is not representative. It does not represent our community. To do this, we must make sure that there are clear, defined criteria for proportionality, compactness, and respect for communities of interest. In our town, that would be the African-American population. That would be the military population. That would be our um, surprisingly large uh, Vietnamese and uh, Korean communities. We need to make sure that everyone is represented. We also need to establish independent redistricting commissions. No longer should politicians choose their voters. Instead, the voters choose them. And the best way, our failsafe, will be utilizing modern technology and algorithms so that way we can tell if a district was drawn for political reasons or for pragmatic Additionally, the size and composition of these districts must represent the demographic, geographic, and cultural factors within them. We should not be seeing Fayetteville be broken up into two multi-member district, multi districts, combining half of Fayetteville and Hope Mills and half of Spring Lake and Fayetteville. Keep our community together. Second, Voting access. We need to expand voting opportunities for everyone. I will be targeting heavily the underappreciated youth vote in our major universities and colleges because they are our future. They are me, two years behind. And I want to make sure that these next two years for them make up for the two years of hell all of us went through with COVID.
we need to increase the number of voting of polling stations. Currently, my district has 27 for a district of just over 80,000. That is atrocious, and that is most likely why we see sub-50% turnouts in many elections. This will decrease uh, – this will reduce wait times and uh, allow for a higher volume of voter. We will have more people, and they won't have to wait in. Un, uh, the, the wait times are absolutely ridiculous in many cases. Additionally, we need to simplify the voting procedures. No longer do we need to hop through, make several hoops, and try to figure out what to do for primaries, election days, and such. Instead, we need to make the system user-friendly and up-to-date for the 21st century. We also must make sure that when we transition to ranked choice voting and multi-member voting, multi-district, uh, multi-member districts, that voters properly understand what is going on. That means a door-to-door campaign, outreach programs and events, so that way everyone understands how our democracy has grown and how it better represents us. Third, for campaign finance reform, we're going to target specifically limiting contributions from single individuals and campaign committees, along with transitioning towards a semi-public funded financing. The fact of the matter is no candidate should be given special treatment simply because they have a D or an R behind their name. Libertarians, Greens, No Labels, the American Solidarity Party, every candidate deserves an equal voice. Notice how I didn't say equitable. The No Labels only have 1,062 members. If one of their candidates runs with 100% support from them but zero from anyone else, I do not believe they should be getting the same funding as a candidate who is gaining 10, 20, 30,000 votes. How do we do this? Require, limit, uh, only allow for small individual donations and have them be, back, be matched by the government. It is a simple but effective form of campaign finance reform that all of Western Europe abides by. And it has shown a stark decrease in corruption when implemented. Secondly, or fourth, election security measures. At the end of the day, our elections are some of the least secure in the Western world. This must change. How? First, we need to bring our cybersecurity into the 21st century. Blockchain, beyond the scamming and the issues surrounding uh, crypto, is a vital technology created and designed by the military for encrypted and secured communications, along with allowing for transparency and accountability. Let's bring that into our voting system. That way, every vote has its own unique signature. Anyone can go online and make sure that the numbers are correct. And no longer will you have to worry about a poll worker miscounting or misrepresenting the votes they have. Second, a paper trail needs to be kept. I am all for the 21st century, 
but pen and paper is a lot harder to steal. Let's make sure that every vote going back 10 years, five elections, is kept so that way if and when audits come, whether by the citizenry or the government itself, we have proof on what is and isn't a real vote. Lastly, voter verification. Everyone needs should have a ID when they go to vote. You must have a picture ID and you must be able to prove you are you. However, I also live in the real world. Many of us don't have time, money, or the mental fortitude to do this when we're already working 14, 15, 16 hour days, bussing tables, working, you know, moving uh, furniture, uh, raking the yard, what have you. A lot of us do not have the financial ability to spend $50 on a ID. State-wise, I believe every high schooler should be given, rather than a student ID, a state ID when they uh, hit freshman year. This will be valid just as any other, and it, will get, and it will be free of charge. We also need to make sure that people who currently do not have it are given the opportunity. We should create a 12-month grace period where anyone can go to the DMV, to outreach uh, centers and get their ID taken for free so that way they have a state-issued one and they are able to vote. That way it is both secure but also not oppressive. In closing, transitioning to these multi-member districts and ranked choice voting in North Carolina offers a promising path towards a more representative, inclusive, and accountable electoral process. This proposal outlines key proponents necessary for successful transition. However, I must emphasize, when I wrote this, I believed in it wholeheartedly, but I thought the economy and our school system needed to take front and center. No longer is that the case. Our system is too corrupt to allow for these reforms. And until we make the system see that the people are tired, restless, and impoverished, we must show them that if they will not protect us, we can protect ourselves. If they want to sell our if they want to try to sell our communities to investment firms and Wall Street, we'll tell them we won't shop there. We will put our we will make sure that tradesmen have enough apprentice apprentices so that we don't have a crisis in the next five years. We're going to push our construction industry into overdrive so that way we have the best connected state with long-term viability we are going to make sure that the system no longer violates people's rights whether you're black or white man or woman trans or cisgendered jewish or christian i don't care i want to make sure that your voice is equal not equitable i want to make sure that everyone has the equal chance to talk to earn money to just be a American citizen and a North Carolina resident without the government giving special treatment nor oppression and forcing others down. You can't buy your way into politics anymore. That's why we need our community to agree on a candidate, not the Democratic Party.